Welcome to Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet with Ryan Potterack from Potterack Capital Advisory. You have unique values, objectives, fears, life experiences, and biases. Any financial professional who ignores or minimizes the importance of your story may not be able to help you achieve your ideal outcomes or hit your goals. It's time to experience the PCA difference. In this podcast, we help business executives, soon to be retirees, and solutions-based individuals overcome the anxiety leading up to their upcoming years. We do this by initiating in-depth discussions about the financial aspects of retirement, like tax planning and asset allocation, alongside, and often overlooked, personal and lifestyle aspects. Join us for this journey where we explore retirement from a contrarian point of view, as Ryan draws from years of experience and qualified guest professionals to help you explore the true purpose of your money in retirement and the impact you want to make in your golden years. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Potterack Capital Advisory are separate entities. This information is not intended to be a substitute for individualized legal or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor regarding your specific situation. How much and how do you get paid? You know, that can be an uncomfortable question for most people to ask anyone, including a financial advisor they might be interviewing. Welcome back to Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet. Your host, Ryan Potterack, is with me, Patrice Sikora. And Ryan, I would venture to guess most people don't know how their financial advisor gets paid. And even when they do ask, they don't understand the answer. Hi, Patrice. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would, in uh, in terms of most being at least fifty one percent, I would absolutely agree with that. And you know, with your intro, I don't think as consumers we're hesitant at all to ask what things cost or to look at a tag, but that is a little bit different than asking somebody how are they paid. And and I and so I can see that that is a difference. But typically, as a consumer of any product or service, we do want to know what we're having to pay for it. And in the financial industry, it can be more mysterious than it should be, in my view. You know, that's a really good point you make. Maybe when we look at something, we don't have to ask anyone. We're not being personal. We're just looking at a piece of paper or a menu or something like that. And I think, you know, it's like, then you're right. It's like, oh, that's too much. I can't do that. Oh, that's, oh, that's a bargain. Give me that one. But if I have to ask somebody, I might think twice about it. Yeah. Yep, exactly. When I, you know, when I get acquainted with somebody initially, so they're not a client, just, you know, maybe a prospective client. I always ask them, you know, how do you, if they have an advisor, how do you, how do you pay your advisor? And it is not unusual for the, for the person to say, I don't know, or, suggest that it's nothing uh (laughs) oh no 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 you're kidding yeah i think in in well in in my view on that is there's a lot of financial products especially in the commission-based world of the industry versus my world of of fee-based the commission-based world there's a lot of compensation or commissions that are embedded in products but even when there's not commissions embedded in products, every mutual fund on the planet, every exchange traded fund on the planet has internal fees and expenses. Mm-hmm. They all do. However, it would be incredibly rare for a consumer to see what those expenses are on their brokerage account statement. 
it's it's more typically and it can range wildly it can be from one tenth of one percent to even two percent annually of uh expenses that are embedded in um, a mutual fund for example just to use that as a our audience would be very familiar with what mutual funds are and so what that is let's say a mutual fund has one percent uh annually in internal expense if the actual investments in the mutual fund earn 10 percent then what the client would see is as earnings or growth if they did the math is they made nine percent mm-hmm. now uh and of course nothing wrong with nine percent however the client wouldn't know that the investment wouldn't likely know that the investments made 10 and the internal cost was 1% because they wouldn't see that as a minus on their statement. You know, if they had hundred percent, 10% is 10 grand. They wouldn't see, I made 10 grand. Here's a thousand dollars in mutual fund fees. Right. It would just show that they made, they made nine grand. And so where a consumer would, would access that information and it's made readily available with my tongue firmly in cheek mm-hmm. by, by when the consumer receives a prospectus and the prospectus typically, you know, quarter inch thick uh, by law, an investor must receive a prospectus on any investment stocks, mutual funds, or what have you. Uh, but it, it's kind of like the owner's manual of the mutual fund to stick with the same example, but it is very difficult to read and understand. And and even if somebody is looking right at the information or the, I'll call it the chapter that speaks to fees and compensation, it's oftentimes um, in industry jargon, that's just not familiar to the consumer. I was going to say, they are not written in English, Ryan. I don't care what (sighs) anybody says. Yeah, I tried to, I have honestly tried to plow through a few of them. And that's what it is. First of all, as you say, you've got to find the portion that really is of interest to you. And I have to admit, I had a book out looking. What does this mean? What does this mean? And I'm still yeah. not sure I totally understood it. Yeah. It, it, you know, and it is still a relationship business by and large. And so what gets to owning any financial investment is typically uh, the the individual working with an advisor and, and even the individual because they might not ask, they might have no idea if the particular financial professional is being paid a commission, is working on fees. It's just, there is an awkwardness, as you said in your intro, which what we've done, what I've, I've seen that as an opportunity. And so in an initial phone call with somebody that I've never previously met, whether they're introduced by my best client, my mom, or just out of the blue, is I get into this discussion of fees and expenses, you know, just straight on. And I lead with education because the fact that so many people fit the description that you gave in the intro, not sure what they're paying and how much they're paying. That's where I've seen it as an opportunity to just be forthright and candid. And I I believe it works for us at PCA. Ryan, you said you are fee-based. What does that mean? Well, great question. Fee-based really is uh, one of two different compensation models. One's not better than the other. It's just what situation fits. The two ways that in my practice that I can be compensated, uh, sometimes people pay me for what I know and the time to share it with them. And so that would be similar to an attorney, possibly a CPA model uh, where they don't have any accounts with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're, They're simply paying me a fee to do some planning to review their portfolio, to take a look at different charitable giving strategies 
that sort of thing. So there's no conflict of interest around selling or buying different products or, or transactions. Uh, they just pay me for my time. And the other, the other model that is, that is fee-based uh, and, you know, pretty common in the industry for firms that are fee-based is on a, on a quarterly basis. Well, typically, I'm sorry, the, um, there would be an agreed upon percentage, an annual percentage that the client would agree to compensate my firm uh, for managing their money. And it, and it can incorporate a lot of advice and other things that go along with that. But just for the sake of discussion with easy numbers here for our audience, let's say the agreed upon fee percentage was 1% annually. What that means is that at the end of each calendar quarter, so September 30th, as an example, the dollar value of all of the accounts that I'm being asked to manage in a household are multiplied times one-fourth of 1%. So mm -hmm. the dollar value times uh, one-fourth of the annual percentage results in a dollar amount. And that's what the advisor, or in this case, that's what we are compensated. In that scenario, uh, it's completely transparent because our client would see on their statement investment advisor fee X number of dollars. Additionally, that is the entirety of the compensation that our client is paying my firm. There's no connection to transactions. So our fee, our revenue doesn't go up or down based on the particular stock or the particular fund mm -hmm. or what chosen investments. And when you when you compensate an advisor based on your account value as this fee-based scenario I'm explaining, then there's no difference between what your financial professional wants and what you as a client want. Everybody wants larger account values. Absolutely. Now, you sent me something here that is a little disturbing. Research shows 45% of wealth management clients don't trust their advisors to charge them fairly. Well, I, I mean, in a in a survey, so you and I substantially agreed at the outset that the majority, thus more than 50%, really have no idea yeah. um, how the advisor is paid. And I guess not to quibble, but I do with language, not trusting might not mean that they're, the client is thinking nefarious thoughts, but when you're talking about money, that's a very personal thing. Mm -hmm. And so it can be, and also a, a client or a consumer knows that the other party, the financial professional is getting compensated. So if, if I'm the consumer or the client and I know the advisor I work with is getting compensated, but I don't have a handle on how much and what are the metrics, it, it is, it's in a gray area that makes me uncomfortable. And if I'm uncomfortable and my advisor hasn't proactively shared it or assured that I'm very, very clear as their client how how they're paid, I can see where that would be uh, sowing seeds of distrust. Sure. You know, somewhere in there. I mean, just kind of putting my my psychology hat on here. I think that's I think that's what would drive that result because then you get an independent survey. The advisor's not in the room or in the in the headspace of the person answering the survey. And they're like, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So what are some questions people can ask their wealth manager to better understand what they're paying? Well, uh, we've kind of 
plowed this ground a bit, but maybe be at the risk of being too simple is how are you paid? How are you compensated? Uh, I just, I mean, that's, that's very straightforward because there's a couple of benefits when you ask that question, in my view of a financial professional, how are you compensated or how would I pay you is literally the answer of, you know, how they're paid, but also you, you get to witness how forthright they might be. Do they, do they start yeah. squirming? Do they start double talking and, and all that sort of thing? Uh, it, it's, it's not that complicated intellectually. It, there has been, I just think over the, over the decades of, of the industry. And it, by the way, in this general topic we're discussing Patrice today, it is getting a lot better over the past few decades in part, I think, because the internet and disclose, it's just easier to, to, to research and, and hold people accountable if you choose to, but simply asking the financial professional, how are you compensated? Are there situations where you would receive more compensation for a particular strategy over another? Mm-hmm. And in an ideal situation between a professional and a client, and this is tax legal, doesn't matter what industry, the the person asking the client should be comfortable in asking those questions. Or if they're not comfortable in asking the question initially, the professional should very quickly make them feel comfortable. And that's my next question. Who should really be either asking the question or offering the information? Should the information come first? Well, that that's certainly how we do it at Potterack Capital Advisory. That's where I saw the opportunities. We're going to lead right away. I know it's mysterious to the public. And so I'm going to err on the side of immediately going there in the first probably 15 to 20 minutes of an initial conversation with somebody that I've not previously met and then have the client say, okay, yeah, that's the way I've worked with an advisor before or whatever. I don't want to make any assumptions. So I really think it's um, much, much more on the professional's plate to make that readily available and make that a comfortable conversation. Now, there's also, I guess, in business, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. I don't think that's a sustainable way of doing business and developing good relationships. Uh, but I also, I don't think that the the client of the consumer is blameless. Uh, but I think there's much more heavy weight on the professional to make that easy information, not putting it on the consumer to have to read a prospectus or research things or figure out industry lingo. Or to just dig deep and find the courage to say, all right, so how are you getting paid anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I think leading with it, it just it just removes that. I mean, it's almost like I can hear an audible sigh and, oh, okay, yeah, in that area. You know, Patrice, I, I, wanna, I do want to interject one thing here because very rarely in life, in any kind of consumer decision, since I kind of relate that. Um, we're getting specific to my industry, and then I like to widen the lens. Mm-hmm. Going um, going about making a decision by buying the cheapest is, is is usually an unhappy road. Understanding fees and expenses are are a good thing, but l- the lowest fees and expenses are not the best thing. In and of themselves, if mm-hmm. everything else is equal, all of us would rather pay pay less for the shirt, the pair of shoes, the book that we like, and for good advice. 
Uh, but I just caution our audience to not get too myopic around fees and expenses. Make sure they're disclosed. Make sure you actually understand them. But it is really about value. And when we buy a car, a house, or just about any consumer decision, it's it's really the value. It's not going about buying the the least expensive under all circumstances. That is spot on. And the relationship that comes after being honest with each other can really solidify whatever you have going forward. Indeed. Yeah. And, it, you know, that's also challenging because the value at the outset and for our listeners, some of which maybe they're, maybe they're working with professionals or not, the difference oftentimes, if not exclusively, has to be experienced. Mm-hmm. And so for those in the audience hearing my words and thinking, oh, that doesn't sound much different than than the story I've heard from others. I get it. I totally get it. But it's you don't know the responsiveness, the reasoning, the thoughtful advice, the demeanor, even like the bedside manner of a physician uh, in, until you're actually working with that professional and their team and that firm o- over time. And, that, and that's the real challenge for consumers up front is they do their best. Mm-hmm. They make a decision to go with somebody for whatever those reasons are, but it's probably going to take months, if not years to figure out is this working for me or is this not working for me? Well, Ryan, <laughs> how can people reach you so they can find out if you are the right person for them? Well, we're not tough. We're not that tough to get a hold of, Patrice. They can call <laughs> our uh, our phone number at 704-366-5776. They can go to our website, www.potterack.net. That's P-O-T-E-R-A-C-K.net. We're out there on LinkedIn. Twitter, well, X now and Facebook as well. So if anyone would like to get acquainted or learn more about this subject or any other, just uh, get in touch with us. Fantastic. And listener, don't miss any episode of Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet. All you have to do is follow or subscribe and share with friends. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. To ask questions about topics covered during the show or get a copy of Making It Count, Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet by Ryan Potterack, visit www.potterack.net or give us a call at 704-366-5776. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Potterack Capital Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Potterack Capital Advisory does not offer legal or tax advice. Please consult the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstances. Nothing contained herein is to be considered a solicitation, research material, an investment recommendation, or advice of any kind. The information contained herein may contain information that is subject to change without notice. Any investments or strategies referenced herein do not take into account the investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific person. Product sustainability must be independently determined for each individual investor. Potterack Capital Advisory explicitly disclaims any responsibility for product suitability or suitability determinations related to individual investors.